wie der hier schreit. Nach frischem Wasser, so schreit meine Seele Gott zu dir. Don't worry, that's not our new response. You should have seen the looks on your faces. <laughs> That's the opening melody of our upcoming cantata, three weeks from today, March 22nd. The choir will perform Mendelssohn's Psalm 42. One of the joys, but also one of the challenges of that beautiful work for us is the German text. So now I will channel my inner Dietrich Bonhoeffer and say it again. Wie der hier schreit. Nach frischem Wasser, so schreit meine Seele Gott zu dir. Which translates to, as the deer thirsts for streams of water, so my soul thirsts for you, O God. What does it mean for our souls to thirst for God? Our scripture this morning calls us to clothe ourselves in love, to sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to God with gratitude. Do everything in the name of Jesus. I can tell you that these directives impact and guide me every single day. As a teacher, I really strive to impart love and God's grace on my students every single day. For this testimony, though, I want us to also consider Matthew 22, verses 36 through 37, in which Jesus is asked, Teacher, which commandment is the greatest law? And Jesus declares, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And that theme is repeated verbatim multiple times in the Bible. Those precise words are in Deuteronomy. They are in Luke, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And they're echoed again in Corinthians when it says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. But what does it mean to love God. We believe, we know, we've been taught that God loves us. It's been reinforced to us since we were young. But how do we love God? This is my second testimony here at First Congregational. The last time I was asked to speak to you was back in November of 2007. I'm not quite sure what to make of that 12 and a half year hiatus. <laughs> especially since Dave Mook seems to speak in church every four to five months. <laughs> Certainly many things in my life have changed over those 12 and a half years, but central ideas from that testimony are still as prominent in my life as they were back in 2007. When I was looking at my notes to help me construct today's testimony, the first thing that I had written down when preparing for that 12 years ago was listening to what God wants. That was the first thing I had written down. And I was referencing those times in my life where I had acutely felt God's call, directly felt him move and place me in certain situations, and that I had listened to that call. And the time that I referenced was when I first stepped into this sanctuary in 2001, and I felt God's call to be here. The other part of that testimony that is really important to my life to this day is still the same. It's that I believe that, for me, music is a direct conduit to the love and grace of God. And that I believe, with my whole heart, that my calling is to bring others closer to God and to his grace through music. 
I just referenced my teaching job. This is my calling. It is a ministry. I believe that my daily work with those students is a ministry and that I help them feel closer to our Lord and Savior as we sing psalms and hymns of praise. So Seth emailed me some guidelines and some suggestions for how to craft this testimony. I'm not sure that Linda Davenport got that same email. (laughs) But one piece of advice in that email was to tell a story. So here goes. In 2009, my family and I went to visit my wife's grandmother for spring break. She lived in Galliano, Louisiana. Now, Galliano, Louisiana is about an hour south and slightly west of New Orleans as you make your way down Highway 1 towards the Gulf of Mexico. Um, On one of those days, I decided that my two-year-old daughter, Addie, and I were going to go to Grand Isle and play on the beach. So we dressed her really warm, lots of layers. She had this really awesome raincoat that was blue, ran all the way down, this pink floppy hat, these really awesome rain boots, and sunglasses. She was quite a sight. So as she's waddling around in the deserted beach at Grand Isle, and I'm watching her dig in the sand with her little rake and her little plastic bucket, happy as I've ever been in my life, I decide to close my eyes and maybe even take a little nap. And I'm awakened by my daughter standing over me, her beautiful face almost haloed by the sun behind her as she's standing over me and she kneels down and she kisses me on the forehead. At two years old, this profound act of love sticks with me. It's with me every single day. Um, There was a lot of affection in, in those early days. When I would get home from work, she would say, Daddy, and she'd run from wherever she was in the house and leap into my arms. Those moments are so, um, I'll say the word again, profound for me, especially now that she's 12. <laughs> and you're laughing because you know that those moments don't happen as often as they used to. Whenever I try to love on her, she's like, oh, God, Daddy, no, Daddy, stop. However, sometimes she will surprise me and climb unprompted into my lap or wrap her arms around me and love on me without me asking for it, without me petitioning for it. She'll just do it. And in those times, I think about that day on Grand Isle, and I'm profoundly happy. I'm not quite sure where I first heard the phrase, love is a verb. I'd like to think that I made it up that I coined it because I was using it for a long time, way before John Mayer ever recorded a song called Love is a Verb, way before we saw greeting cards with Love is a Verb. I was saying that all the time. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you that I said it ad nauseum, especially when I was petitioning for certain things. (laughs) But it is a verb. Love is a verb. It's an intentional action. It's proactive. So when we are called to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind and to clothe ourselves with love, we have to be intentional about it. You see, God wants us to seek him out. God wants us to embrace him. God wants us to listen to his call. And God wants us to put him first. I imagine that the reason you're here is because your soul is thirsty for the love of God. I imagine that you are here because you are seeking out the love of God. I imagine that we could extend that argument 
to it's why we're here. Not here in church on Sunday morning, but here on this earth. To love God. To be proactive about it. It's like the profound love between a parent and a child. It's like the deer thirsting for the running water. And I pray that I will bear this out in my life, not only in my words and in my deeds, but in every day, in everything that I do. And I hope that I have another chance to speak to you about this again, most likely in the fall of 2032. (laughs) Until then, be intentionally close to God. Be intentionally close to God. And clothe yourselves in love. And do everything in the name of Jesus. And sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God with gratitude. And maybe even in German. Amen. <laughs>